Good morning. Welcome to the Energy Works Radio Show. Uh, I'm Tanya Ormsby, and today's topic is just be you. So it's been a hard uh, road, I think, sometimes just to be ourselves. And often we want to be somebody else. We want to be, I don't know, there's always someone we have in mind or someone that we think would be um, more fun or have a more enriching life or be a better role model or be, I don't know, just be better in some way than we are already. And uh, we forget that that our unique talents and gifts are really what other people need to hear, not necessarily that person. And while it's nice to have a, um, someone to, you know, to model or to to base yourself on, to strive towards, is not a bad thing. But if we become obsessed to being that person and rather than being ourselves, try to be that person, I think that that's when we get unstuck. And I think in, especially like as mums and um, practitioners, often we feel that we have to be, we have to be, you know, the best and we have to be, you know, exactly what they need and, you know, do what's perfect. And I know, um, you know, I have seven children. So the first five children really got the tough mother. Um, and, you know, it was very strict on the food and on, um, you know, discipline. And, you know, I was probably a really hard mother. And so then when um, I, I had a bigger gap and I had the next two children, I was a little bit more enjoying of those children and, you know, tried to um, take time to enjoy them. So it's fun to be able to, um, yeah, just to have time with those children and just to to um, let them be them and to enjoy the fun little things that they do. And I think this is sort of a, a kind of um, like a spin on life. I think sometimes we forget to to enjoy life, just to be and to you know enjoy the moment. I. I often find um, I'm so busy working and so busy trying to get done all the things I need to get done that I forget to have fun. I forget to live. So it's like we we can spend our time uh, trying to live for other people instead of living for ourselves and actually enjoying our life. And I, I you know, we don't want to live with regrets and, and be sorry for the things that we didn't have a go at, or you know, forgetting to enjoy those particular things. So, uh, uh, so I say those that about just being you as a thing too to remember maybe who you were sometimes as a teenager because I think that's when we did have more fun and um, you know would have a go. It's often also the time in people's lives when they stopped being themselves through some circumstances. Um, I have a family of clients that I work with and they you know had a number of difficulties in their family and their their mother died and I think from that particular experience I've learned that they uh, felt that they had to do what it took to keep the family running rather than doing what they felt was really important for them and so yeah they've spent their entire lives doing what they have to do to be to be able to survive and to be able to help the family to survive, you know, and uh, their um, family was not all, uh, like their dad was not always a, a functional leader. They knew that he had some um, mental health issues, but that, you know, for the most part of his life it was undiagnosed and the family had to try and deal with that. 
And so I think this is the case for many families. You know, there are there is mental illness or there are physical issues or health issues or financial issues or, you know, many other difficult issues that can uh, make your life hard and then you forget to have fun and you forget to be who you're supposed to be. And so remembering who you are is, is for some people is really hard. And, you know, we almost have to go back in time to see who it is that we were and to remember what we liked doing and to remember what brought us joy uh, to help us try and uncover that person that we are. And, you know, I've, I've had many mothers say to me, oh, you know, I can't remember who I am. And because we've become the mother or we've become the wife or the saver or the fixer or the other person that we've or the other roles that we've adopted to help people um, overcome, well, help people within our family or around us to try and get through life. So I guess it's learning to work out what it is that, um, you know, really brings you joy. You know, what is it that you do if you do it, you, you know, hours can go by and you don't even realise that time's gone. And so looking at those things that we like to do, I think is important so that we um, work out, you know, how we can perhaps earn money doing what we love doing as well as in just enjoying our life in general. So I wanted to clear some energy around that. So uh, let's begin. All right. All right. So it's, uh, it's okay to be me strong. I allow myself to be me is strong. Um, sorry, it's safe to be me is strong. It's okay to be me is strong. And I allow myself to be me is not strong. And this has got a timeline component, age 11, and some stuck emotions. Uh, the feeling of betrayal. Um, and betrayal by family members. And, you know, some people's families really just serve to give them a body and give them the opportunity to come to earth. They really didn't provide much more. I have one uh, friend who um, had a very difficult family and, uh, you know, a lot of abuse through the family. And, uh, you know, she said her family only gave her a body, really. That's pretty much it. And it's been a hard road to learn to be who she wants to be. Also age 16 and some more stuck emotions. The feeling of being naive. And that's got a generational component to it too. From dad, dad's dad. And behind this, the second truck is around just under your navel and sort of around your back that way. And uh, it's to do with balancing money and sex and power age eight and we might just look up some affirmations for that chakra so okay we work together for my highest good and now there's a little bit of a generational problem here hidden under here dad's dad and some stuck emotions uh, the feeling of being numb so when we talk about being numb I remember um, at one stage I had a boyfriend that went away you know with our church to a mission and I found that very hard to deal with. And it's almost like I shut down my feelings so I wouldn't have to feel that. But then being numb, yes, you didn't feel the pain, but you didn't feel joy either. So it's it's a hard thing, isn't it, that we don't want to feel pain and we want to feel joy. But we actually need to be able to feel both to appreciate, um, you know, the good, the good times. 
so it's like I guess if you paint a painting, you need the dark shading to have the the shadows and the depth. If you don't have the dark parts, then the picture isn't beautiful because you don't have the contrast. And I guess the same is with our lives. You know, and we need the contrast and we need the good and the bad bits to be able to to appreciate the good and to see the the change between the good and the bad to appreciate those good things. So something else about just being me, timeline again, age 16 and more stuck emotions, uh, being possessive. And this is with friends, female friends, and also the feeling of being annoyed. Also age 19 comes up. And a generational problem on dad's side, dad's dad, and it goes past him to his dad. And it's not one of the males, it's actually a female down that line of those people. And another stuck emotion, uh, feeling obnoxious. And I know sometimes I can get like that too. You can get yourself in a bad mood and feel like you, um, you're enjoying to be in that bad mood. And, you know, just wanting to be cranky at the world and cranky with everyone. Although sometimes when we do that, we invite in um, negative energies or negative entities. And, you know, it's not a healthy way to live our life. Um, it's fine to experience anger, and but we need to look at why we're angry and, you know, what's bothering us and not just to be angry and to blame other people, which we often do, especially in families. I know my poor husband copped a lot. And again, a bit more generational stuff. Mum's side this time. Mum's mum. Another stuck emotion. Feeling cranky. And we're going to go into the sixth chakra now. Okay, I grow in wisdom day by day. And I'm going to stick in there. I allow myself to feel joy. I'm just writing these down as we go. And timeline again. Age 19. That's safe for me to see the truth no matter what it is. And that's also got a generational component. Dad's, dad's dad, and his dad, and it goes back even further. About 16 generations. And this is a group of people, males, and again, stuck emotions in the genes. Feeling vulnerable. Let's say I accept my vulnerability. And I guess that's the same, um, you know, for each of us as we try to be who we're supposed to be. We do run the risk of, as we be ourselves, that that will trigger other people, um, either because they can't be themselves or they're struggling to be themselves or there have been times in their lives when they've been, them, when they've been trying to be themselves and they've been knocked down by somebody. And so um, often it's, this um, pain from the past that causes them to be angry or to try and knock other people down. Now, I guess if we can step out of ourselves and to observe our reaction and also to try and think that when somebody reacts to us, often it's not actually about us, it's actually about their past or what's happened and it's like we're a figure um, representing someone else from our past, from their past. And uh, we can um, 
if we can remember that and try not to fall into the habit of, um, you know, thinking it is actually about us and remembering that the experiences that other people have have happened, um, you know, can affect how they see us. And so it's not really even about us. It's about, um, you know, what we represent to them. So it's important to try and keep that in the back of your mind that even when someone gets angry with you, even if it's your mother or you know, your friend or your husband or your children. Sometimes it's not about us even. And, uh, you know, we often ourselves will react to other people too because of our own past. So then we need to bring in, I forgive myself for past mistakes. And uh, me is good enough. <laughs> okay, now there's a generational component to this on Dad's side, Dad himself. All right. And we just might plug in an oil at the moment. We plug in pedigrain. You know that that's what's needed here to help the sixth chakra. And back into the second chakra for a moment. Um, we've worked, we said this one before, we work together for our highest good. Or we work together for my highest good. And again, something in the timeline. Age 10. Um, the feeling of being competitive. And often that happens in families, isn't it? The younger ones are trying to keep up with the older ones and they want to do things at an earlier age. Um, I know one of my sons talks about that and he you know, tried to keep, he had four older brothers and he tried to keep up with the, the bigger ones. Uh, and I think there's danger in this um, trying to be better than someone else because it's like comparing apples and oranges, as we know, isn't it? Because, you know, they have different talents and gifts to us, and often we want their talents, but we have our own, and we're failing to acknowledge our own gifts and talents because we're so busy looking at what someone else has. And that's the generational component to Dad, Dad himself, and his dad, and the feeling of being defensive. And I know I can be that way. If someone has a go at me, um, you know, I'm ready to take up arms and, you know, fight them. And uh, for me, I think that comes from uh, my family. Um, you know, I've got European parents, so they can be a bit feisty anyway. And then also, um, you know, if you have a family in which there is conflict, you know, there is often a lot of people having a go at you and you feel like you have to defend yourself. And so then you become very sensitive to criticism and very sensitive to someone um, uh, looking down at you or, um, you know, making fun of you or um, seeing you as less than. And then we have this feeling that we need to fight back and we need to, you know, um, prove that we're okay. And, so, of course, that doesn't bring out our best side. And a bit more of dad stuff. Okay, so if we say me is good enough, that's strong now. Yeah, and I allow myself to be me that's strong. Uh, still something in the timeline hiding behind this. Age 20. Uh, and some false beliefs. So false beliefs are like stuff we know in our heads a bit silly to think, but we can't stop thinking it. We can't stop being stuck on it. And again, Dad's stuff and his dad. And the feeling of being vengeful. You know, we want revenge or we want to, you know, make the other person feel bad or make it difficult for that person because they've, it's been a hard road for us. And a bit more stuff from Dad and the feeling of being angry. And, uh, you know, it's it's fine to have righteous indignation at some stages and to, you know, be annoyed about situations. Um, and it's good for us not to, you know, take abuse from anyone. 
and we know it saves people by allowing them to abuse us. So it's like learning the right balance between anger and, um, you know, love and learning to see the people that are angry and, and doing the wrong thing with love. Still um, having healthy boundaries that we don't allow the abuse and to observe the person who's abusive, but not to fall in the hole, which is a lot to do, isn't it? Uh, so timeline again, age 17. And the feeling of being overlooked. And often this happens in families. You know, somebody will have higher needs or be more outgoing or more demanding or prettier, smarter, cleverer or, you know, in some way more than us or perhaps, perhaps our family sees them as more than us. Um, it comes to mind a, a fellow that I knew years ago. He, um, he was an engineer and his older brother was a doctor. And he always felt that his family valued um, his brother, the doctor, than him, than him. And in the end, he basically wanted to die and he got cancer and died and couldn't see the joy in life. So he basically gave up. So I think, you know, that, that's kind of a sad place to be. So we would like, you know, everyone to feel that they have purpose and that they don't have to compare themselves to their you know, older brother or sister or younger or, you know, someone else in their family or someone else at work or someone else in their friend group, uh, you know, always valuing who we are and what we can do. So let's put in there, it's okay for me to shine. Others are safe if I shine. It's okay if I shine some days and not so shiny the next because it's a hard gig to, gig to be perfect all the time. And this has got a generational component on Dad's side and his dad. And again, stuck emotions. So the feeling of being malicious. And some days when we're angry and we hurt, we do feel malicious. We feel like we want to hurt everyone and scream at everyone and yell at everyone um, because we're so angry. And usually the anger is at ourselves of something we are not achieving or something that we feel stuck on and we're tending to blame other people that we can't move forward. So let's put in there, I allow myself to move forward. And let's even add um, onto that um, graciously, peacefully, and that's a timeline issue, age 10. Okay. Now we're going to go into one of the higher chakras now. We're going to go into the eighth chakra. And the eighth chakra actually goes... Um, like into the earth it's about a meter under our feet into the earth so I guess it's like our connection to the earth um, and it can involve being centered and connected and we could plug in vetiver oil here because that helps us to be able to um, you know go through the dark stuff and address the things that bother us and it sort of holds your hand while you go through and come out the other side so it can be strengthened by you know like going to the beach and walking in the sand or putting your feet in the grass or, you know, actually connecting yourself to the earth. The earth. And I know my version of that is sometimes I've got to take the compost bucket down and then I'll just start pulling weeds out and it might be an hour or two will go by. But obviously it's my need to connect back to the earth. Okay, so an affirmation here is um, I can make a difference. And I think, you know, we often feel that we don't make a difference. Um, I had a nice experience a couple of weeks ago. I went to a wedding and I met a young girl 
not that I kind of mentored when she was going through a hard patch when she was getting married. Her her family was having struggles coping with her getting married, and I think they had troubles anyway. And um, she mentioned to me how, because uh, I'd had home births, that, that she had never considered, um, you know, that birth could be a natural process. She's always seen it as a medical event. And so sometimes the small things that we do or the way that we live our life helps other people to make better choices. And, you, you know, I had no idea. I hadn't seen this lady for years and years. And so we may not see or know the effect of that kindness for years to come. And so it's important for us to just be ourselves and to do those things that we feel inspired to do um, freely. You know, I have a friend who's um, very amazing in that department. You know, she'll kind of ask, well, who would you have me help today? And, you know, she'll be inspired to go and visit someone or make dinner for somebody or, you know, to drop off $5 in the envelope or, you know, she will just do all these um, funny little things like that as she feels inspired to do. And, uh, you know, she may not know, um, you know, the outcome of those things. But, uh, you know, to be beautiful like that and to do those things spontaneously is really a gift to the earth and it's a gift to all the, you know, all of humanity. And often we feel like we have to make a difference to huge amounts of people. But it's not true. You know, we only really need to influence um, those people within our sphere. And even, um, you know, like for me, I like teaching energy works. And, of course, you know, I, I love to have people come to do the course and to see that personal growth. But I couldn't cope with millions of people. There's no way I could deal with it. But, um, you know, just my my tribe is enough for me. And so... Um, and, you know, not that I don't want other people to join the tribe, but I think each of us have our own tribe that we're supposed to lead. And, you know, we often feel that, you know, oh, um, my contribution is not important. But your contribution is vitally important and you don't realise how many people are helping you and um, um, helping you to to be who you are and appreciating what you're doing and wanting to support you in doing it so that you keep doing what you do. And um, I, I'll never forget one day I was at church and an old lady came up to me and just said to me, oh, you know, I pray for you. And I was like, so taken aback. I was like, wow. And, you know, so often we can't get out of our own head or get past our own difficulties in our own families to um, be aware of other people. So I was very grateful for her to tell me that and, um, you know, it really, really shocked me actually to think that someone would do that. All right, so there's something hiding under this, you know, doing and being what we feel. Something in their timeline, age 15. And I feel to say here too that many of our life decisions are made between about 15 and 20 or maybe into 25, you know, Often what we're going to study, our career, you know, our boyfriend or girlfriend, um, you know, the many moral decisions we make in life, you know, about what we're going to do and what we're not going to do are made in that time. So I think it's important for us to reach out to people that are that age. And um, sometimes their own children are a bit prickly at that age, not all. And so sometimes even if we can reach out to other young people at that age and, you know, just tell them that we think of them and that we admire them and that we're grateful for them being themselves. 
And, you know, to have someone when you're that age kind of mentor you is really an important thing. So, you know, I want you to be mindful this week of someone that may need that little bit of encouragement from you and just, um, you know, a kind word or a little note or a smile or flowers or, you know, whatever you feel inspired to do for that person. I would encourage that. All right, so something else in the timeline now, age 10. Um, the feeling again of being overlooked, uh, the feeling of resentment, um, and even behind that goes age five. And there's a reaction to electromagnetic radiation, and it's a mobile phone, and might have been mobile phone back then, but um, it, it's often about the emotions that are surrounding that electromagnetic radiation rather than the radiation itself. Sometimes it is the radiation and we need to be careful of what's in our field. All right, a bit more on the timeline. Age 16, age 32, age 38, 43, and and also a generational problem on mum's side, mum's mum. Okay. And the fifth chakra here which is the chakra of the self-expression. And this has a generational component too. So it's like trying to speak and to be who you are and saying what you really feel. Often we feel too scared to say something because someone would be offended, but yet you know yourself if you're offending someone you would want to know and you'd want someone to explain it to you kindly, but you still would want that. So it's important to... um, to try and be, you know, kindly honest to people and to be encouraging and supportive. And even when they do the wrong thing, you know, to say, well, I really like that you do this, but when you do that, I really find that a bit offensive or annoying or upsetting. Uh, when we fail to express, it really damages us. We end up with either thyroid or throat or neck problems because of this um, keeping that energy in instead of releasing it. And if you really struggle to speak, you must write or go outside and sing or yell or whatever you have to do to express what's in within you. I think writing, though, is beneficial, for, beneficial not just to you but to the future generations because it would be lovely for us to see or to understand how our relatives before us felt as young people or as they dealt with their crises in life. And, you know, we would learn from them how to deal with our crises. So it's important for us to write the good and the bad about our lives. There are some things that are probably too personal or too difficult that you might want to remove, but for the most part, I think that's valuable information. And sometimes it's even valuable to us as we go back and we look who we were and who we become, it does change how we see ourselves now and we can see the growth and that gives us hope because we can see that we are changing. And sometimes we forget that. And if you look back, you can see, oh yeah, I have changed and that I am a better person. All right, a bit more generational stuff here. Dad's side. Um, and time of birth. Um, the feeling of being left out. And sometimes as the baby, if there's a lot happening in the family, you know, we kind of just fed and put to bed and and maybe not enjoyed. If you've come from a large family and you're not the first child, it, it can be difficult in that way. Uh, so I forgive my family for failing to value me. All right. Okay, so that's pretty much it for today. And I hope you really enjoy being you, enjoy strutting your stuff, your individuality and just being who you're supposed to be. So, um, you know, very grateful to have had you um, on the call.
and uh, appreciate all those that put into the Facebook group and email me with their concerns because it does help. So I hope you have a, a great day and um, we'll see you uh, next week.